Afternoon. Uh, welcome to the WAM Strategic Value Interim Result Webinar. Uh, I'm Jeff Wilson, and you'll be joined by myself um, and uh, uh, you know, two of the team that work very closely on this portfolio. That's our Chief Financial Officer, um, Jesse Hamilton, and Marty McCarthy, who is one of our investment specialists. Uh, and then we'll, you know, we'll do um, the presentation and then we'll open up for questions and answers. And thank you very much for sending in a lot of questions. Now, as you know, this is your company and we're only here because um, you allow us you know, to do what we're very passionate about. And our senior uh, corporate um, affairs advisor, uh, Camilla Cox, will be running the Q&A a little later. Um, in terms of just looking at the six-month period to December, you know, the first you know, half-yearly result for WAM strategic. Um, well, if I was giving it a, a mark out of 10, probably you know, seven, uh, it was a reasonable result in a, um, you know, in what is always, uh, always the equity market's a challenging market. Uh, you know, the portfolio increased by about 6.2% over that um, period since, you know, the, that was since the offer was oversubscribed in June. In terms of the board um, and dividends, yeah, there's 4.2 cents in the profit reserve. Uh, the board had decided, you know, let, let's start with a um, dividend. In theory, everyone understands that sometimes the franking you know, comes after the um, after the profit reserve, so um, you know, the franking will come uh, later. So the logic was to start with a one cent fully franked dividend. Obviously, the plan would be to grow that over time and to provide a, you know, a increasing stream of fully frank dividends uh, to shareholders. In terms of the um, WAM strategic at the moment, you know, it's in terms of where it's posi positioning, uh, sorry, where the share price is relative to the NTA, it, it's, you know, from my perspective, it's cheap. You know, it's trading at close to a 10% discount, um, which you know, we, we would assume will change over time. Um, as we continue to perform, you know, then we hope um, that that will you know, that will move from the discount to NTA, and then uh, the logically it should move to a premium at some point in time. Um, in terms of you know, the you know, the opportunities we've we've found, you know, the great thing about you know the you know, buying a dollar of assets for eighty cents, you know, there there are always opportunities, and you know maybe in in the presentation and Q and A a little later, um, we'll cover on them. What I'd like to do first is I'd like to now to pass over to Marty McCarthy, who'll just provide you with a bit of an overview um, of the growth that we've um, seen in the LIC and LIT sector. Marty, can I pass it over to you? Thank you. Thanks, Jeff, and, and good afternoon, everybody. And as Jeff said, I'll just run through some of the growth that we've seen in the LIC sector and the opportunity set that, that we have through WAM Strategic Value. So looking at the sector, you know, the, the LIC sector has grown significant, significantly in the last few years. In 2012, there was almost 40 listed investment companies. Uh, and at today, we're standing close to 100 um, listed entities. From eight years ago, the industry has grown from uh, a little over 23 billion um, to in excess of 56 billion uh, as of 31 December. Uh, at the end of December, 
2021, there was seven to eight licks and lits trading at a, a share price or a discount to its, its NTA. Um, during January and February this year, we're obviously seeing extreme periods of volatility. And the LSE sector has saw a widening of discounts within, within the sector, particularly in the market capitalization between 60 and 200 million. So as the volatility uh, occurs and, and discounts are expanding, it's provided an opportunity for WAM Strategic Value to acquire um, LICs and LITs at attractive price points. To address the, the discount within the sector, uh, we've seen a period of consolidation during 2021, as a number of licks were either subject to takeovers, scheme of arrangements, or, or conversions into different structures. And we anticipate that this trend will, will continue through 2020 as we see consolidation in the sector um, ahead of, of, of what we think will be growth long term. Jesse, do you want to run through some of the structural changes that we've seen in our portfolio through the period ending 31 December? Definitely. Thanks, Marty. Obviously, sort of since we listed war in, in June 2021, there's been a number of companies have been looking to address their discounts to NTA. Now, some of those have looked to address that from a structural, um, I guess, problem, and then some have looked to merge with other entities within the listed investment company sector. So one, one entity, Antipodes Global Investment Company, they've done a scheme of arrangement where they've moved their LIC structure into an exchange-traded fund. So it's an active ETF, which enabled shareholders to, I guess, realise out of that investment vehicle at the underlying asset backing versus selling the shares on market uh, at a discount to its NTA. So through the scheme, WAM Strategic Value was able to realise its investments in APL by the sort of AGX1, it was called, at its NTA value, less transaction costs. And sort of, I guess, from the announcement of, of that change up until that point, we saw the share price sort of, I guess, I guess, closing in that discount to NTA, um, which enabled a lot of investors to realise the full value. Now, I think long-term, we are big believers in the listed investment company structure. So whilst I think they're, I guess, the change from Antipodes addressed the problem, I think in the long-term, uh, we still prefer the listed investment company structure for these investment vehicles. And that goes into what Magellan uh, also did in August last year. They took the Magellan High Conviction Trust that was a listed investment trust, and they moved that into sort of, a, I guess, an ETF structure as well, which enabled investors to realise at NTA. Now, some other companies, um, they've looked to merge within the sector versus to change the structure completely. And these are some smaller listed investment companies, but you would have obviously seen the, the TGG and, and WAM Global merger, and more recently, Westos and Ozgrowth. They, I guess, announced schemes of arrangements with WAM Capital at the end of last year. And recently, the, the court approved for the notice of meeting to be sent out to the WIC and Ausgrowth shareholders. And on 31st of March, um, there'll be sort of, I guess, a, a merger calculation completed. And those shareholders will vote on the merger on the 4th of April. So if everything goes forward, those two entities will merge with WAM Capital um, on, I think, the 21st of April this year. Look, thanks then, very much. Oh, Jesse, did you have something else there? No, no I was just going to say, obviously, when, when those mergers were announced as well, we can also were trading at significant discounts to their underlying asset backing, and that closed significantly and is still closing at the moment in the market compared to the overall value that the scheme presents those shareholders. So we, we should look to see more of that discount close leading up to the scheme approval at the end of March. No, look, thanks, Jesse. And now why don't we we'll go pass over to our senior corporate affairs advisor, Camilla Cox. And and Camilla, 
Can you take us through um, some of the questions we've received? And again, thank you very much for all the questions you've sent in. Anyone that's got any additional questions, please send them in. Um, you know, because this is your company and I you know, would like to explain you know, if any questions you have or any comments or suggestions, please feel free to pass them through. Great. Thanks, Jeff. We've had lots of questions come through. This first one is for you. It's from Jason. And he says, what are the, some of the key factors that drive WAR's investment portfolio performance? WAR is really you know, totally focused on buying that dollar of assets for 80 cents. So really the, 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 the factors are for us is the timing of investing the money. And at the moment we're sitting on you know, around 35% cash um, and we've held our, our cash level and actually built it up a little bit. Um, and, and that is really because, um, well, I mean, the market has had a great run. You, we, you know, we knew that's the case. And in terms of opportunities, we've been, um, we've just been gently uh, increasing our exposure you know, to some of those, you know, the, the you know, buying a dollar for 80 cents or, I mean, one we're buying is, you know, the Magellan LIT, we're buying a dollar for, um, 81.8 cents at the moment. So, yeah, I mean, that, they're the opportunities. So, so really what drives the performance is our ability to find those opportunities uh, and, and the timing on when those discounts close. Um, and so they're, they're, the, they're the two factors because broadly you'd, you'd assume that um, WAM strategic value should get the performance of the underlying managers. Well, it will get the performance of the underlying managers, but super on top of that, it'll also, you know, if we're successful in buying a dollar um, and it eventually turns into, sorry, buying a dollar for 80 cents and it eventually turns into a dollar, if not more, then that closing of the discount, you'll get that benefit as well. Um, so they're, they're the two, you know, the exposure to the underlying managers plus, um, you know, the closing of the discount. And that, that's a bit more arbitrary, the closing of the discount. Thanks, Jeff. This next one is also for you. It's from Tom. He asked, why isn't WAR conducting takeovers, but WAM Capital is? Yeah, I mean, really, the amongst the WAM stable, takeovers will be undertaken by where it makes sense. And, and so you've got independent boards, each independent board. Now, WAM strategic value looked at, you know, obviously, you know, being an investor in the... Um, yeah, LIC and LIT market. You know, when the when the PM, you know, the most recent takeover bid for PM Capital was made, I'm oh, sorry, PM Asia was made, then WAM Strategic had a good look at that. Uh, and if WAM Strategic was trading at a premium, then it would have made sense for WAM Strategic to bid. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, at the moment, WAM Strategic is at a discount. Now, that's, you know, something that we're very, you know, blatantly aware of. And, you know, so we've got a broad strategy to, you know, deal with that. I can talk about it. That'll probably come up in the question a little later. Um, so that's, um, you know, so it, it made sense for one an entity with a premium to make the bid. Uh, and that was WAM Capital. And, and then when, um, you know, the, the merger with West Oz and Ozgrove, uh, again, you know, they were attracted, um, they actually approached WAM Capital. You know, they were attracted to WAM capital size and its premium. So WAM strategic, they'll, they'll, 
the, the board of WAM Strategic obviously will be interested in making takeover bids if it adds value to the WAM Strategic shareholders. But it'll only do it when it adds value to the, the WAM Strategic shareholders. Thanks, Jeff. Jesse, we'll turn to you now. War recently announced a interim dividend of one cents per share. When will we see this increase? Yeah, thanks, Camilla. Obviously, all dividend decisions are that of the board of WAM Strategic Value, but sort of, I guess, looking at this at first initial periods, the, the company does take some time to, I guess, build its profits reserve through the performance of the investment portfolio. And if you look back to, say, WAM Leaders, uh, WAM Global, even in those initial periods, I think they're both of those inaugural dividends were one cent per share after the first six months. And then they've grown steadily from that point. And obviously, one of our objectives is to pay a stream of fully frank dividends to shareholders. And we've built that profits reserve to 4.6 cents, and we've started at the one cent interim fully franked dividend. And over time, as we build that profits reserve, and we can see that we do have a sustainable level in the reserve to increase the dividend, that would be something that the board's considering sort of in each six-month period. And Jeff also mentioned before that franking credits is important. At the moment, we're in this first period of, of sort of portfolio performance. We haven't had our first tax return. Uh, we, we've received some flow-through dividends uh, from the underlying leak portfolios. So we had just a, just above one cent per share in, in franking credits available to distribute to our shareholders. And that's something we also want to build as, as we build the profits reserve over time. Thanks, Jesse. Jeff, this next one is for you. It's from David. He's asked what your view is on VGI's merger with Regal. Yeah, like it's an interesting one. Um, yeah, obviously we've been, well, we know both um, you know, Rob Luciano and um, and Phil King, uh, and uh, like to me, I think I think it's sort of it's a it's a logical one because it appeared from you know the various public statements that uh, VGI was really focused on managing their wholesale money. And their listed investment companies, they were finding it challenging, you know, really spending time on the shelter engagement, the communication, uh, um, you know, the marketing. And that, that is a very hands-on business. Uh, Camilla, you know, obviously is in our you know, corporate affairs team uh, that does that. And we've got you know, close to 10 people in that team. So you really have to commit, um, you know, significant capital. Uh, to that, and we are you know, very committed to that. Um, and, and one of the it'll be interesting to see what they do with the listed vehicles. Uh, I and this is I will have a chat to Phil at some point, but I would have thought, and and Rob, I would have thought it probably makes sense when they're merging them, you know, the the two management companies that why not merge the three listed investment companies as well. You know, then into Regal. So then you've got you know, a large, um, you know, say, $2 billion plus LIC. And, and the interesting thing, you know, we're finding in this, you know, you look at the LIC space, you look at the larger players, say, that there is some benefits of being large. Um, you, you look at AFIC, you know, trading at, you know, the other day when I looked, it was trading at a 14-odd percent premium. Argo, I think, was a 7 or 8 percent premium. And Wham Capital, you know, twenty percent plus premium. They're the three largest listed investment companies. You know, so there is some, you know, people tend, you know, in the space they can pay up for liquidity. So uh, yeah, I, I think that would be, you know, make sense because obviously 
Um, and Phil, like I spoke to Phil the day that the deal was done, um, and yeah, you know, we're, we're was share, a shareholder in VG One and VG Eight. Yeah, you know, they're both trading at big discounts. Um, yeah, you know, selectively we're buying more when it we think it makes sense. Um, and and that's one of obviously Phil's goals is to, you know, the new group is to make sure that they close those discounts. And Regal's successfully done it with their RF1. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, the VGI guys haven't. So to me, I think it definitely will be positive for the VG1 and VG8 shareholders. And there could be a corporate transaction there. This is, I haven't, I haven't discussed this with either either parties. It's just something I was thinking about. And at some point in time, I'll mention to them. Thanks, Jeff. Marty, we'll turn to you now. This question is from Mario. He says that short selling is mentioned as a possible strategy within the prospectus, and he's wondering how much of this is actually employed within war. No, thanks, and, and, and good question, Mario. And as you've pointed out, obviously short selling is a, is a tool that one strategic value has at its arsenal uh, as we're investing capital. To date, we haven't um, exercised that that ability, and we haven't short, short sold any securities. Um, getting liquidity and, and borrow within the within the sector is difficult with listed investment companies. You, you predominantly would be looking at the larger LICs, and um, so it's not something we've used to date, but still remains a tool that we have at our disposal. Thanks, Marty. Jeff, back to you. This one is from Lee. He's asking if you can talk us through War's share price performance since listing. Yeah. Uh- Okay, so you know we came out. And we we said that we thought about two twenty five million was the right size for this vehicle. Now we were we were you know, incredibly you know, very pleasantly surprised at the demand, uh, and, and like unfortunately we had to cut some shareholders back. Now so it was oversubscribed. So obviously there's more demand than supply. So what that meant was there were, there was a build up of excess demand. Then when we listed. You know, we listed with assets of a dollar twenty-five, and I think within the first you know, little period, it was trading at dollar thirty, dollar thirty plus. So obviously, that pent-up demand that didn't get allocated to was buying in the aftermarket, which sort of created a, and an, you know, sort of a, um, well, it, it pushed it to a premium, um, you know, because that pent-up demand was there, and. and and really unjustifiably pushed it to a premium because we hadn't, we really hadn't delivered in terms of on performance. Uh, then obviously, you know, obviously various people were buying it at a premium and it, you know, did, it got to a, you know, a reasonable premium there, six, seven, eight percent. Uh, and then, you know, th- then since then we've had a couple of market shakeouts and, and what you tend to find, and, and then it's gone from a premium to a discount. Um, and obviously, some of the people that bought shares either in the float or bought shares after the float, uh, you know, que- uh, questioning themselves: Look, am I am I a real believer in what's happening? And, and we've seen that before. Um, there's an, there's probably you know, and, and our goal is, as I mentioned earlier, it's about yeah, you know, was trading about a ten percent discount. I've been nibbling away more recently at the di- that's discount. Um, you know, that it'll just take a bit of time to tighten up the share register. And then once we do that, it's, re- it's really getting all the people that are believers in what we're achieving to be shareholders or what, we're, what we plan on doing. As, if you have everyone that's a shareholder is, 
very happy with what you're planning on doing, then you actually have no selling. And then the share price you know, moves to NTA and then eventually moves to a premium. Uh, and one of our LICs that had a similar situation um, to war, but wasn't anywhere near as, and this is years ago, back in 2003, 2004, and then we only had, a, well, I don't know if we had anyone in the corporate affairs <laughs> department then. I don't think we did. Um, you know, so we really hadn't committed ourselves to the shelter engagement, marketing, communication part, which is very important. Um, but but WAM uh, Research back in 03, 04, traded at a discount for quite a period of time. It was actually seven years. It's the longest of any of our LICs. And over that seven-year period, we are obviously, you know, the, the people that were happy with what we're doing, you know, were buying or staying as shareholders. And the ones that were there just for more of a short-term trade, they moved on. And eventually the share register tightened up. And when I looked the other day, it was trading, well, a 40% plus premium NTA. Um, which is crazy as, you know, something trading at a discount. So that's pretty much the performance. So uh, my view is, like, let's see, you know, when the markets, you know, when the markets have a bit of a jitter, then, then you work out who really wants to own the shares in the company because the, um, you know, the people that aren't committed, they sell out and that provides an opportunity for other people to buy in. Like people are saying, you know, people ask me from time to time, now, why don't you do a, sh a share buyback at a, say, 10 or 12% discount? I'd prefer to let other people, you know, other you know, smart investors buy a dollar for 90 cents rather than do a buyback. And, and buybacks really you know, don't work. Marty, do, you, did, you were looking at some analysis recently. Do you want to touch on the buybacks? Or? Yeah, happy to, Jeff. Happy to, to, to delve into them. Obviously, uh, as Wilson Asset Management and Wham Strategic Value are looking at investment opportunities and other listed investment companies, we're looking to identify a catalyst. Um, and it's, it's in line with the investment process that, that Jeff has, has deployed over 21 years. And, you know, one of the, one of the potential catalysts or, or is believed that one of the potential catalysts for a listed investment company could be the implementation of a buyback. So we've, we've spent, you know, countless hours analyzing buybacks, not only for our companies and whether they're beneficial, but also as we are looking to invest in other LICs at a discount and to, to discover if they could be a catalyst for that discount narrowing. And, and from the analysis that we've done, um, there's no direct correlation between a buyback and the narrowing of a discount. What, what, what occurs is the, the buyback obviously provides short-term liquidity and a bit of a sugar fix, and you see that that discount narrowing short term, but you're not rectifying the the supply demand imbalance that Jeff's talked to. So although you're providing short term liquidity, effectively you're you're providing longer term issues because it's that short term fix. Based on the LIC sector as a whole, nearly 25% of LICs have announced or conducted buybacks in the last 24 months, and obviously each of them are, are doing that with at a board level with the intention of reducing the discounts. Interestingly, over a period, looking at that, that cohort of LICs, the discount across those 25% those of the market's actually widened. Um, so it's, it's for me, you know, as, as Jeff said, a well-articulated comms and marketing engagement strategy 
helps with that you know that long-term supply demand imbalance and equalizing the share price um compared to to buying the shares back and, and effectively kicking the can down the road thanks martin thanks jeff We'll go to Jessie now. This one's from Susan. She's just asked if you can please explain in simple terms the outperformance fees for WAM strategic value. All right. Thanks, Camilla, and thanks, Susan. I guess simply put, and as it's set out in the prospectus for WAM strategic value, the performance fee is sort of based on, on the performance of the investment portfolio. So as the portfolio investment portfolio increases after management fees, there's a 20% performance fee on that outperformance. Now, that is subject to a high watermark. So, for example, if the portfolio doesn't increase above its starting value or above the value that it last paid a performance fee, no future performance fees are paid until the portfolio recoups that value. Thanks, Jesse. Back to you, Jeff. This one is from Anita, and she's asked what you think the biggest risk is in equities moving forward. Yeah, owning them. <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, the the biggest risk probably you know let's let's rephrase it to the market. Um, the the yeah it, it is a yeah it's a, it's a very difficult market at the moment and and the reason it's difficult is because uh, it is a market in transition the equity market where you'd see yeah you know, we've we've seen you know, 20 or 30 odd years of a bull market in interest rates. So, yeah, interest rates are you know, just getting lower and lower and lower. Um, and there's an indirect correlation between interest rates and the performance um, or the value of companies. You know, so lower interest rates means higher value for companies, um, you know, higher PE values, um, you know, more corporate activity. You know, people can pay higher prices because they're borrowing more cheaply. You know, so interest rates are a big driver of equity valuations. Um, and, and also, you know, so that's what we've seen over a long period of time. And now now that's pretty much close to stop stopping. Um, and because of, you know, the concern about inflation, the it appears that interest rates are going to, in the future, are starting will start going up, and that can be pretty brutal. Now, if interest rates double, then price earnings ratios for companies, in theory, assuming an efficient market, should halve. So, assuming earnings per share doesn't change, that means the market halves. Now, that's a bit of an extreme case, but what we do know is we know interest rates are going up. Um, we also yeah, superimposed on that recently. Yeah, obviously we've got, um, you know, what's happening in the Ukraine? Is it the Third World War? Um, whether it is or isn't, what uh, back in the early you know, 1990s, um, if you're investing in the market, there was a big benefit to global growth because every it was called the peace dividend. Everyone, um, you know, stopped spending you know, 2 or 3 or 4% of their GDP on defence. Now now we're going to have the reverse of that. You saw Germany announce the other day $100 billion, you know, special, especially to a fighting fund. Um, I think in, in the financial review yesterday, uh, you know, they're talking about another submarine base, or was it today, you know, submarine base uh, on the east coast of Australia, uh, bringing forward a few things. So there's, globally there's going to be more money spent on 
on um, you know, protecting each other's you know, territory. So that's that's a cost. Yeah, you know, that's a cost to our know, global economy. So effectively, you know, you're going to you're talking about a war tax, effectively, or an um, you know, from what Putin's done. So uh, you know, so you've got various things happening at the moment, and then then you've also have a situation where because of what's happening uh, in Europe, then monetary authorities probably aren't going to be as as quick to tighten up as they would have been historically, um, knowing all you know, these various other factors. So that's that's probably an underpinning, a positive underpinning. Um, and then you've got you know, the sort of the, the latter part of COVID where everyone's, you know, everyone's sort of nearly, well, I know it's still, you know, it's a brutal disease, but you know, globally, everyone's working out how to live with it. Um, you know, so that's that's very positive about for opening up economies. So it is a it is a challenge. You know, the market and um, and also another another factor. You've got a lot of people that have sort of gone into the market over the last year or so, which haven't been into the, in the equity market before. And I remember in the early 1980s when I had my first job. And that was, um, well, my first job was as a fund manager, but my, it was actually my second job in 82 when I was working as an analyst at a broker in Melbourne. And I remember this old broker said to me, and you know, I was young, what was I, 24, you know, 25? And, and he was saying, hey, Jeff, I think I was investing in the market or something like that. He said, Jeff, don't worry too much because this was the first bull market I've been in. He said, you make your money in your second bull market. And what he meant by that is he said, he was basically saying, look, you're playing around in your first bull market. You're not going to take, you're going to leave all your money in. You're not going to take any off the table and you're going to lose it. Whatever you make, you lose. So he was saying, you know, you learn your lessons in the first bull market broadly and you make your money in the second bull market. So a lot of those newer players to the equity market over the last you know, year or two, um, unfortunately, they've got to get, they've got to get cleaned out. Um, and they've got to realise that you know, when you're investing in equities, it's a medium long-term strategy. Like at the moment, I'd be making sure you had your portfolio position. So if it was down 20 or 30%, you, you, you wouldn't be stressed. I'm not saying that'll happen, but to me it's just, you know, you tend to find the market is cyclical. Now, was it last year? To June last year, I think the Australian market was the best performing best. Australian performance of the Australian equity market for 34 years. And it, it tends to, you know, the equity market tends to be a little bit like, you know, say at the moment, you know, what we're, we're dealing with floods. So that, may, that means that in, in, a, in, 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 a, in a period of time, we're going to have drought and, and go back two or three years ago. You know, well, when they, when they built the desalination plant in New South Wales, that was basically ringing the bell on it was going to start raining, and I don't think I don't know if they ever used it. Um, but yeah, so to me, it's it is cyclical. So yeah, you know, when you've had a really good year, that means you're probably close to a, a bad year. Um, and uh, I mean, the tough thing is, we, we like I don't know. I don't know when the top of the market is. I don't know when the bottom of the market is. I, I can I can tell you when I think things are a bit extreme or things are looking. Uh, you know, a bit extreme on both, on, on the on the positive and on the negative. Now, to me, we're not in. I don't think we're in extreme on the positive or extreme on the negative. But but we have had we've had a lot of positives in terms of the 
you know, the overall performance of the equity market. So to me, there is, you know, to me, there is some risk on the downside. You know, saying that, that's what you, you've got to keep, keep invested because back in, you know, I know a number of our shareholders have been around for a long time. You go back to 1987, at the start of 87, you know, January 87, everyone knew the market was expensive. It went up, the Australian market went up another 60%. It ended up falling, no, sorry, 50% it went up. It ended up falling 60% you know, in the last quarter of that year and was then ended up being 10% down for the year. But you, you just never quite know where the top and, you know, where these tops and bottoms are. I hope that sort of doesn't confuse you but gives you some ideas. Thanks very much, Jeff. We've got another one for you. It's an interesting question from Lisa. She's wondering what your view is on the recent media coverage of Magellan. Um, the media coverage, the tough thing is, like, the media is brutal. Uh, and, and I think a li- to, a li- to an extent Magellan bought it on itself. You know, when, when the CEO resigned and no-one sort of knew why, why he resigned, then you know, people end up making up stories to fill in the, fill in the lack of information. Um, and, you know, then, then obviously you know, the pressure of, you know, various factors... Um, you know, came to bear on you know, Hamish, um, and he's decided to take, you know, take a break. And Chris Mackay's taken over as CEO. A- again, you've got to remember, there's 35 people on the investment team, plus Hamish Douglas, but Hamish is on sick leave, so plus Chris Mackay. So there's a lot of a lot of intellect there, a lot of intellect, um, and and. I think there was a question that I saw flip in um, about do we have we been buying or do we own you know, the Magellan LIT, uh, MGF? And the, the answer is yes, we do. Um, and yes, we've been buying it you know, because it's trading at a little over an 18% discount. Um, they have some options outstanding, which are March 2024. And you know, they, they cleaned up the concentrated fund once the structure is cleaner and those options expire, you know, who knows? They could you know, clean up you know, this fund as well. So to me, you're buying exposure and you're buying it cheaply. And in terms of their performance, you know, it's like, well, at Wilson Asset Management, you know, I'm heavily involved in WAM Strategic on the investment side, but I'm virtually not involved in any of the other entities on the investment side. You know, we've got 14 investment professionals that manage the other pools of capital. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. Jesse, we'll go to you now. This question is from Barry. He said he would like to see more investment information in the monthly report, more specifically cash position and see-through NTA position. Can you comment on this? Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Barry. Obviously, look at what you would have seen in this presentation. We've provided obviously the cash weighting and sort of the look-through exposure of, of the investment portfolio itself. So we appreciate that feedback, and we can take that on board and, and discuss including that in, in future updates for you. And that's that's an interesting thought too, Barry. If yeah, if we if we could run the the real NTA of the portfolio. So yeah, obviously the thirty five percent cash is cash. <laughs> And, then, and that would have a negative impact on the discount of the rest. <laughs> but, yeah, we might, we might put that in next month's NTA. We mightn't do it regularly, but we, for, Bar- for Barry, we'll, we'll put it in next month just so you see what the figure is. 
Thanks, Jesse. Thanks, Jeff. Marty, we'll go to you now. This question is from Simon. He's asked, what is the overall exposure of war to global equities versus Australian equities? Yeah, no worries. And, and thanks for the question, Simon. So I, I think it wasn't, as Jesse said in the presentation for today, the global equities exposure as of 31 December was 39% of the portfolio, with domestic equities a little under 25%, and 5 to 6% in, in alternates and, and fixed interest. With as as Jeff and Jesse just pointed out, thirty one percent cash making up the residual portfolio. Thanks, Marty. Back to you, Jeff. Uh, we've got a question from Gary, who's wondering what your plans are for the shares that um, War holds in WAM Global. Yeah, well, in retrospect, we should have accepted the cash bid. The um, so that was, I mean, the hard part there was there was about a six percent differential. Um, you know, obviously, we didn't foresee um, foresee the war and and foresee you know, what's happened to global equity markets. It's still trading. WAM Global is still trading at a discount. Um, you know, our plan would be to sell them over time. You know, we're pretty convinced WAM Global will trade at NTA if not a premium. Um, it'll just take a bit. You know, it's just going to take a bit of time. Uh, it's got to work through. You know, merged recently with Tebelin Global. It's the you know, the third largest global LIC, and there are some economies of scale, as I mentioned before, or some benefits of being large in the space. So it's real. It's really going to take us a little bit of time to work through that. Uh, but the plan will be to roll out. Just probably another question is: we'll end up with some shares, you know, WAM Strategic and WAM Capital, and WAM Capital. There is there is a lot of liquidity in WAM Capital. So with that one. You know, the plan will be just to you know, sell them, accept the bid and then sell them over time. Thanks, Jeff. We've got a question for you from Andre. He said, in a previous presentation, you recently answered his question on profits reserves. He's asking if you could explain how they might be protected in a falling market. Thanks, Andre. I mean, broadly, how the profit reserve works is when... Um, so, WAM strategic value makes a profit on, in a month, um, then it transfers that profit to the profit reserve. So, it's an accounting transfer. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's about four cents a share. You know, in theory, you know, say we've got a, you know, a dollar of NTA and four cents of it is in a profit reserve, or say 10 cents of it is in a profit reserve. You might have that full dollar invested in the stock market. The ten cents is just the accounting you know, profit reserve. So you don't have to put it aside. You don't have to hold it in a special account. Um, it's just part of the assets. Um, so the four point two cents—that's before the payment of this dividend—that's in the profit reserve. The market could halve, or the portfolio could halve. That profit reserve will still stay at four point two cents. Obviously, we're paying a cent out of it, the dividend. So once we pay the dividend, it'll be 3.2. Um, and then effectively for us, the profit reserve resets each uh, at the start of each year, each financial year. So um, it works similar to Jesse was saying, well, with a high watermark. So once we put something in the profit reserve, we've got to make more than that money in, in the year to put more money into the profit reserve. Uh, and then at the start of the year, uh, on the 1st of July, any money we start making then goes into the profit reserve again and it get, keeps getting topped up. Thanks, Jeff. 
Jesse, this next question is for you. It's from John. He wants to know, is the war NTA based on the share price of the individual listed LICs you hold or on the underlying NTA of each holding? Thanks, John. Um, it, it's based on the share price. So the portfolio is valued based on the, the last sale price of the actual assets listed on the ASX, so not the underlying NTA. So we're, we've purchased those assets. Obviously, the, the share price is at a discount to the NTA. We hold it at the share price. So as that discount closes, we're sort of, I guess, realising the, the increase in the share price. And I think that sort of ties back to Barry's question. If we were to value it at the NTA, what is that look-through NTA if it was at full value? So that would be the, the look-through NTA if we were to hold the assets at their underlying asset backing. Um, but for accounting purposes, we, we have to hold them at their last sale price, which is the share price of, on the ASX. And, and, as a little be- and as a little benefit to everyone who came on the call, we're going to, in next month's NTA, we'll put what that look-through, the current, you know, at the end of last month, the, the look-through NTA is. Great. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jesse. Uh, Jeff, staying with you, this one is from George. He says, can you talk about GDC, which appears different to the other licks you invest in, and it seems to invest in data centres rather than publicly listed companies? Yes. And, and um, look, thanks, George. And, and this is probably something to for everyone to understand is when we set up WAM Strategic Value, the, the idea was to buy undervalued assets. And as Marty mentioned, um, you know, we're buying undervalued assets that we believe that we can see a catalyst that's going to change the valuation at some point in time. Like there's no use buying a dollar of assets for 80 cents if you don't think they'll ever trade at a dollar again um, or they're going to trade at 60 cents in the dollar at some point in time. So, um, you know, GDC, again, we think we think the NTA is around $2.50. You know, it's trading you know, well below, you know, that $2 mark. Uh, and, and, again, we, we've always said, you know, we're buying undervalued assets. Our focus, I think we say in the prospectus, our focus is listed investment companies and listed investment trusts. That's our focus. But it doesn't mean we won't buy, you know, a dollar of assets for 80 cents in, in, other, in other type of, uh, structures. I mean, GDC makes up about 1.9% of the portfolio, so it's not a big holding. But it's we just we know the management well. Um, you know, the the guys at WAM Capital, are, you know, have been shareholders in that for a period of time, and we just thought that was a. You know, we we th- we liked the story. We could see the catalyst. We we thought that uh, that over time that you know, we could get a, a nice um, you know, 20% plus return on that. Thanks, Jeff. This next one is for Jesse, and it's from Robert. He wants to know if he's paying double fees from underlying investments and the and the war fees. Okay. Thanks, Robert. This is an interesting one. Obviously, like WAM Strategic Value has its management and performance fee in its corporate structure. And, yes, we invest in other listed investment companies and, and trusts that also have underlying management and performance fees. But we're, we're investing in those assets that are trading at a discount and we're looking to obviously get exposure to their portfolio performance but close that discount. So there is a sort of an underlying fee associated with them. You're not paying it directly. Uh, you're paying us a management fee for the management of this product. And, and we're lo- obviously looking at trying to close that discount to NTA to generate performance for war shareholders. And another way to look at it is if you invest in any listed company on the market, 
there is a, a management fee. So if you invest in BHP, Telstra, you, there's executives, there's boards, and, and there's employment expenses in there in terms of what those management fees are um, to run those businesses. So it, it's similar to that way that there, there's always going to be a, a fee within an entity to run it. Um, but we're looking at sort of, I guess, closing that share price discount and generating the performance for our shareholders that way. Thanks, Jesse. Marty, we've got a question for you now. It's from David. He's asked, did War buy PAF or did WAM buy it? Yeah, thanks, Camilla, and, and thanks for the question, David. The, the PAF situation with, with PM Capital um, Global Opportunities Fund and the PM Capital Asian Opportunities Fund was a very dynamic one. And um, so WAM Strategic Value didn't have a position in PAF ahead of WAM Capital making the takeover offer. Obviously, in an ideal world, you know, PATH, WAM Strategic Value may have had a position and may have held PATH and was able to realise upside potential as, as WAM Capital undertook that takeover and then that what is now a very successful takeover. Um, but it, it was, as I said, very dynamic and it was the, you know, it was it was very opportunistic on the behalf of WAM Capital and the WAM Capital board. So to answer the question, Strategic Value wasn't wasn't a shareholder ahead of that. Thanks, Marty. We've got another question for you. This one's from Derek. He's asked, what are the processes in place if War were to consider investment in another WAM lick or future generation lick? Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Camilla. And thanks for the question as well, Derek. I guess the, the strategy is that War will not invest in other Wilson Asset Management or future generation licks. And that's not the intention for the company. You know, we're looking to, to invest in opportunities external to, to Wilson Asset Management or, or future generation. Obviously, we do have an investment, as, as I think we've already spoken to in WAM Global at the moment. Uh, and on the completion, should shareholders approve it, the, the completion of the WIC and Osgrove scheme of arrangements, we will end up with shares in WAM Capital. The plan for those investments will be once they reach NTA parity or a premium to NTA, uh, we'll look to, to orderly exit those investments over time um, so that, that we don't have exposure to um, internal companies. Mm. And I think it's important to note there as well, like there was no intention to acquire those assets. They sort of came about by a scheme of arrangement. And under a scheme, you don't actually have a choice. Um, if the scheme gets approved, it's 100%. Um, so 100% of shareholders have to participate in the scheme once the vote takes place. So WAM strategic value by default of those schemes being approved by the shareholders that those entities receive those shares as a result in WAM Global and, and potentially will receive it in, in WAM Capital as well. Thanks, Marty. Thanks, Jesse. Jeff, an interesting question for you from Lai. He said, other licks like PL8 pay a dividend each month. Is War able to do this? The war is, but as we haven't got much in the profit reserve, we wouldn't be paying much out on a monthly basis. Now, what we've tended to do is pay dividends half yearly. I know some people pay dividends monthly, some people pay dividends quarterly. Um, you know, what we've done is we've tended to pay dividends on a half yearly basis and we see no real driver. There might be a product that we create at some point that makes sense to pay dividends on a monthly basis for cash flow reasons for the people that invest in them. Um, but that, that isn't the plan at the moment for war. Thanks, Jeff. And those are all our questions today. So I'll pass back to you for any closing words. No, look, thank you very much, Camilla. Look, thanks all shareholders for your 
um, you know, for your interest. You know, please, any ideas, you know, um, comments, uh, suggestions, please feed, feed them through to, to us. You know, again, thanks, Marty and Jesse, for you know, a lot of the hard work. Um, you know, the myself, Marty and Jesse tend to work mainly on the on the corporate transactions, um, and there's been a lot of a lot of weekends and a lot of you know, out out of hours times uh, over the last period. You know, it's been quite busy, um, but in terms of providing returns, you know, the, that's that's what our focus and that's what we love doing. In terms of WAM, um, you know, strategic value. You know, as a large shareholder, I'm sure all your everyone else is shareholder. I'm looking forward to the shares to get back to NTA. That'll happen, um, and then we'll get back to a premium to NTA. Um, it's just a matter of time, uh, and and we've got a, a quite a, a detailed um, strategy in shareholder engagement, communication, marketing strategy that will continue to um, roll out over the next um, six to twelve months. And um, yeah, you know, we're looking forward to to you know finding some good investment opportunities and providing good returns for all shareholders. So thank you very much.